Okay, so it's recording. Um, thank you for meeting with me. Um, like I, I explained to you, it's um, this is a paper that our professor wants us to work on just to get a little perspective, specifically in, in our area where we live. I live in Downey, um, very close to the station. So um, first, can you start off by introducing yourself? Sure. I'm Megan Hill. I've been a police officer for four years. I'm assigned to patrol currently. Um, I've worked school police also, but that's a collateral duty, so it's not separate. It's in addition to my regular patrol schedule. Um, and gone to n numerous schools and you know narcotics schools and, and whatnot. So I've uh, been on patrol my whole time, but I hope to do bigger things, become a detective and whatnot. So. Okay. Um, and how long have you been working for Downey? Four years. Four years. Over yeah. four years, yeah. Just over. Okay. Um, and what made you interested in pursuing a career in law enforcement? Um, I like the, the challenges, the physicality. Um, I knew I didn't want to do something that was bound to a classroom or an office. And I really like to help people interact and help people in the outdoors. Okay. Um, and then can you kind of talk to me about what a typical day looks like for you here at work? No day is typical. No. <laughs> um, there, there's no such thing as a typical day. I mean, uh, but my schedule, um, I worked when I was last working patrol, Sunday through Tuesday. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, as I mentioned before, we worked three twelves. Um, so get up in the morning really early, start our shift at six, uh, and at six thirty. Um, you know, throughout the day we're chasing the radio, we're responding to all sorts of different calls, um, you know, anything from domestic violence calls, uh, robberies, burglaries, um, cold reports, meaning the crime happened before and there's no suspect there, um, things that are, that are more, uh, you know, pending calls like or hot calls, what we call them, to where somebody is in progress, somebody's still there, it's a higher priority call. Um, so, and then, you know, in between, you want to be proactive and stop and talk to people, take people to jail, um, write tickets, respond to traffic accidents. So, there's no typical day out of control, but there's, uh, you don't know what you're going to encounter. Okay, well. Um, okay, so then I wanted to ask a few things about community policing here in Downey. Um, what are the goals of community policing? So I guess I'll start off uh, by saying what community policing is to me. I talked a little bit about proactivity, and to me that's what it is. Uh, building a rapport with citizens, uh, earning their trust. Um, <clears throat> when we're not responding to calls, uh, is to go out and, and talk to people in law enforcement. You hear a lot about, uh, you know, pedestrian checks, ped checks, we call them. Uh, you just, you know, find probable cause to stop somebody, stop somebody, talk to them. Uh, you know, just like any sort of encounter, uh, you know, sometimes you, you don't have anything and you just stop talk to them to see what's going on. And then in speaking to them, you realize that, uh, you know, based on what they're saying, they may have a criminal history or mm -hmm. something of that nature. 
So it's, it's all about how you talk to them, what you say, what you learn, and then, you know, it may be go from nothing to, you know, being able to take this person to jail for something. So it's just, um, you know, patrolling your neighborhood, um, you know, doing, doing what, what's right for your area, keeping the area safe, uh, <coughs> being sometimes a presence is a huge deterrent for criminals. So if they are out capering and they see us, maybe they'll be deterred from committing whatever crime or offense that they're, they're going to do. Um, but really just building that rapport, being present, and hopefully you know, making an impact in the community. Okay. Uh, what measures work best to promote a collaborative relationship between police departments and the communities they serve? What measures work best? Um, I think it, the best thing to do in talking to citizens, you know, they, citizens don't call you on their best day. They call you because um, they're distraught, they need your help, they're at their breaking point. Um, so the best thing to do is, uh, you know, maintain, be professional, maintain professionalism, um, be a listening ear because sometimes people just want to be heard. Um, <clears throat> offer advice, uh, but you know, have empathy in in victim with victims, and uh, you know, treat people as as though you want to be treated. If it were you who were were the victim on the call, or one of your family members, or something like that. So, uh, I think empathy is huge. Okay. So it sounds like a lot of what you do, you're not just like patrolling, serving, like you're, it sounds a little, you're a little bit of therapy, yeah, a little so, bit of just. So being a police officer, you wear, wear many hats. Okay. Uh, some Sometimes you're giving some sort of medical treatment, mm -hmm. emergency medical treatment to people. Sometimes you're a parent, sometimes you're a, an, um, yeah, a therapist. Sometimes you're just a friend, a listening ear, um, you know. And then sometimes, of course, you get to be a true cop. And <laughs> okay. So, what are some of the barriers to good policing, um, to good police community relations, and what steps can be taken to eliminate um, those problems or issues? Some of the things that I've encountered uh, are people's experience or prior experience with law enforcement. Um, it could be, you know, children whose parents we take to jail and they, they grow up thinking that, you know, we take them away from their family. Um, or, you know, you're given a citation for something and, you know, cops are just hard asses and, and sticklers and we're not. We're human too, under everything. Um, so it's a good. It's a. It's a finding your healthy balance. Okay. Knowing when you need to be hard nosed, and knowing when it's okay to break down barriers and show people your true colors and. Um, and so I think that's that's huge. People's like predetermination on what police are. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of it is is 
stems from experiences or sometimes people will pull a race card saying, oh, well, you're white, you're stopping me because I'm Hispanic or because I'm black or for whatever. I've even had an Asian lady come in and say, you don't want to help me because I'm not a citizen. No, it's not the case. I treat everybody the same no matter what. Um, my job is to help you, give you advice, and serve you the best I can. It doesn't matter what your skin color is or what your ethnicity or what your culture is. Um, you know, all that's put aside. So um, gives police officers a bad taste in their mouth because, you know, they don't want to hear that. And I'm sure there are, you know, instances where, um, you know, some people are not going to try to cover things up. Not a, There are bad apples out there, but that's not my speed and I don't like it. Okay. So I, I try to treat everybody fairly. Um, do you think the residents of Downey respond well to community-based policing? And does it help reduce crime here in Downey? Uh, 100%, yeah. I think one of the reasons why Downey is uh, a little safer than some of the surrounding cities is because our police take pride in that. Uh, you know, we like to take people to jail. Uh, we like to tell people if you don't like how you're being treated here in Downey, then stay out. Uh, and you know a, a lot of our police officers go out and are take pride in being proactive so it's not often there's a lull um, in our on patrol like in our day to day schedule but when there is we're always out looking for things looking for reasons to stop and shake people down oh, okay. sounds fun yeah <laughs> okay. it is fun um, what are the highest kinds of crime here in Downey? Like, what do you see more of? We see everything in Downey. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we see a lot of, the majority of crimes are, I would say, are uh, like petty thefts, things like that. But uh, that occurs everywhere, those crimes. All these cr I say burglaries, petty thefts, um, grand theft, uh, assaults, grand theft auto, all these crimes, crimes against persons, crimes against uh, you know, businesses, homes, they're rampant everywhere. It doesn't discriminate, it's not just in Downey. Right. They're all over the place. Um, so I don't think that the, the, an, your average citizen has an understanding of, of what goes on really until you work here and you see it. Uh, I grew up in Downey and my parents still live here uh, and they don't even see it. So it's not until you're consumed with it that you realize, have a true understanding of what goes on. And would you say it's, um, is it like neighboring residents or is it within like the residents so, of Downey? So, uh, I don't think it's extremely fair of me to say it's the majority of the people that we take to jail are people from Downey or people from out of Downey, but uh, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people come here uh, who don't originate here. Maybe they have ties of, of some sort, mm -hmm. um, but they come from other places, commit their crimes, and they leave. Okay. And part of that is due to our accessibility, free accessibility. So. Um, if you look at a map, uh, you know, so many freeways, 710, 105, 605, 5 freeway, right. they basically 
build a square around our city. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's simple for people to come here, do their thing, and, and flee. Okay. Um, and then you have the metro, you have a bus system that goes through. So it's accessible. And we have lots of, of uh, newly renovated shopping areas. So that's, right. that brings crime, restaurants, bar scene. I mean, we've got a little bit of everything. Okay. So I'd say a lot of the people do come from elsewhere, do their thing, and then, you know, okay. leave. Okay, so in my criminal justice class, we're learning about some of the issues and challenges that police officers face. We are in an era of technology where everything gets recorded, and of course that doesn't always, a cell phone doesn't always show the entire picture, is what you know we're learning. And so how do you feel about the use of mandatory body cams while on duty? Um, and is, if you guys even do that here in Downey, and why do you think there's controversy around it for police officers? So it's a pretty loaded question. Uh, I think technology is great, uh, but I do caution people that just what you said, what, what we record doesn't always paint the perfect picture. Uh, there may be more, more to it that wasn't captured. Um, <clears throat> and I think having that accessibility to uh, record people is not always extremely helpful mm -hmm. uh, in talking about uh, you know capturing something on video I tell people all the time just because you capture something a theft let's say a theft of a bicycle off a front porch great you you caught the act you caught the crime mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily know who that person is this is not CSI it's not where we can uh, you know, quickly identify somebody and, and give them, a, we have to take into a lot of things into consideration. Quality of the frame, uh, if the person is a known person, if the person is unknown, if the person is covering themselves. So although it captures the act, it captures the crime, uh, it's not necessarily, it may help in a, it may help the case, it's not necessarily a lead, it's just proven that it happened. Okay. So I always tell people, you know, when, when it's captured on film, you can't, it's not going to tell you who the person is. It doesn't say, oh, this is Joe Schmo from wherever, right. you know. Um, and then another thing is that uh, I, we tell this to kids all the time, that phones and technology get you in trouble just because... Uh, you know, you take a picture of yourself, you send it to somebody else, you delete it, or you send an email, or you send a text message. All that stuff uh, is accessible, even if you delete it. So uh, once it's there, it's there forever. And uh, forensics has the capability of restoring that and, and finding that, if need be, if it's uh, critical to the case. So we, we're not going to take people's cell phones for them right. just because they you know, potentially may have something credible uh, to the case. It's on a case-by-case -case basis. It's a, either we have somebody sign a form that says they agree that we use their cell phone as evidence, and then, you know, we get the hard drive. Or um, if need be, if it's a really critical case, let's say a homicide or something of that nature, uh, we can get a warrant for it. Okay. Um, 
And then as far as documentation, um, when we are policing, uh, I came just before body cameras were initiated here. So like I said, I've been here over four years. When I was still on training is when we got issued body cams. So it's pretty much all I know. Okay. Uh, maybe there's some resistance to the people who have been in policing for 20 plus years. And uh, I don't find any harm in it. I actually think, think it, it helps our case, aids our case, because a lot of people claim that, uh, you know, we do things that aren't civil, that aren't right. Mm -hmm. And all that does is document what we did and, you know, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, it's great evidence for, for court. So yes, Downey um, does have body cams. Uh, we are mandated to use those body cams. It records both audio mm -hmm. and visual, um, you know, when we have contact with community. Okay. Uh, and we also have dash cams, and those also record both audio and visual, you know. It comes down to, it records traffic collisions that we're potentially in. It records, you know, everything surrounding the incident. Um, so I, in, in my opinion, I don't mind it. I think it's, if anything, more helpful than not. Okay. Um, Sorry, I know that was long-winded. No, that was great. No, <laughs> you answered some of my other questions. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't say it stresses you out. You actually welcome it. You're okay with it. Yeah, it's natural for me. It's just no. mm -hmm. when I get out of the car and I know I'm going to talk to somebody, it's just one of those things that you, it's like putting your keys on your, on your belt, you know? So is it like always just running or do you push something like? Okay. So, um, when we're driving, our dash cams are constantly recording. Okay. When we activate our emergency lights and sirens, it starts recording okay. on a, onto a hard drive where it's accessible, you know. Um, but if there's a case, uh, so let me backtrack a little. When you initiate it, you can either push, push a button to initiate it or you can initiate it by turning on your siren, lights and sirens, code three. Okay. Um, and then it, there's a pre-recording system, so it re starts recording, mm -hmm. documenting a minute before you do that. Oh. So it, uh, let's say somebody's running from you mm -hmm. and you activate your license items so you can apprehend them, right. it will catch, it will show a minute before that. So it may show, um, you know, the person where they're coming from or um, you arriving on scene versus you solely stopping them. That's the dash cam. Okay. Body cam's uh, a little different. You actually have to push okay. a button on your chest <clears throat> and... It starts recording from that moment. Okay. So um, when we exit the, our patrol cars, we have to turn that on. Okay. When we're going to talk to somebody. Uh, we carry a, a small little device on our belt. Um, let's say we don't know what we're going to encounter. When, before we exit our patrol vehicle, if our dash cam is not recording, we can push a button on our, our belt that okay. starts the recording of the dash cam. And then it usually takes about 30 seconds for the audio to kick in. Wow, that sounds yeah, so good technology. <clears throat> it's good technology. It doesn't capture everything right? because the dash cam is not, not mobile. Okay. You can manually move it in your car. So let's say if you're uh, doing FSTs for a DUI, mm -hmm. field sobriety test for uh, 
investigating somebody who's driving drunk. Sorry, I use a lot of acronyms, so if you don't understand, just stop me and ask what it is. Um, you can position the, the camera or reposition your vehicle to capture those sobriety okay. tests. So that's helpful. And then, you know, the body cam, it shows your perspective. Right. So um, it'll show, you know, whatever. not going to show your, your emotion or what you're feeling. Right, right. But it's going to capture basically what you see. Okay. Okay. Do you think um, body cams influence the way you do your job or other officers do their job? Uh, like I said, personally, it, it I think it's helpful. Um, some other, you know, police officers who didn't have that when they were throughout their career may be a little uh, resistant to it. Um, it doesn't change the way I do my job because it's pretty much the only thing that I know. And uh, I like to pride myself on, on being ethical all the time. So it's not going to change you know, how I talk to somebody or and whatnot. Some, sometimes it may help me curb my emotion yes. because um, you're thinking, this is what I want to say, right? but this is what I should say. Mm-hmm. So being more tactful in your approach. Okay. Um, and then you have to understand that no matter what you say, you have to own it, Yeah. right? So may not be the right thing in that situation, but it, you may have felt it was right then. Yeah. You can't go back and change it. And at the end of the day, you are human. You are good. Exactly. There are going to be moments where someone gets a rise of you, I, I imagine. Exactly. Right? Yeah, okay. it happens. <laughs> but you just have to own it. Yeah. So. Okay. So have there been any controversial incidents in Downey, as in like cases um, where something went wrong and your department came under fire for it? And if there have been... Um, how was it handled? Uh, it, it happens all the time where there's allegations that um, we don't handle things appropriately or there's complaints um, by the, the way the officer spoke to somebody or what they did that uh, they were, it, it was a one-sided thing where we didn't t- account for somebody else's side of the story. Um, so formal complaints is, is basically what we're talking about. Okay. And, um, you know, they happen, allegations of them, and, you know, things that actually do happen, they happen on a regular basis, and I think our department is pretty good in, in handling those situations, um, so if somebody has a formal complaint, they come to our station, and they voice how they feel that they, you know, were treated or maltreated, um, and typically they speak to the watch commander, which is our, our sergeant, and, um, you know, a sergeant is a listening ear and addresses what they feel at that time. And they offer them um, two ways to handle it. One way is bringing the officer in or whomever in and counseling them, like a verbal counsel. Mm-hmm. And the other way is uh, by way of a formal complaint where they have to fill out a document that says when the incident occurred, what were the surrounding circumstances, and then a narrative, a statement on what they feel, um, how they feel they were wronged or okay. whatnot. And then that gets investigated, of course. So uh, the, the sergeant then goes to their supervisor who notifies them. And uh, it's called a, uh, basically interior investigation. Okay. Um, 
but it's it's handled if it's something that handles within our department and it's not uh, like a scandal or something that that uh, re would require uh, another agency to investigate uh, our our department investigates it okay. so there's people specific people administration who are assigned to that okay. that handle that um, and it basically goes up the chain of command okay. and it's looked at all the way up to the chief of police and then it comes back down um, so they would then bring that officer in and everybody who was present there when this happened interview them get statements um, and all that's documented by sergeants lieutenants captains chief and then it's determined what's to be done from there if there's any sort of counseling or action disciplinary action taken on their behalf okay so it's safe to say there's a process it's, it's not like somebody comes complains about you and you're in trouble like exactly. they actually there's a process that goes into it before a, a decision is made yes okay that's and that's and awesome. um you know the person is not necessarily going to agree with the decision that's made okay. the outcome but uh it's taken very seriously mm -hmm. and that's that is how it's uh, uh, i think it's for the most part a pretty fair way to do it I, that's it's good to know myself as a citizen just that there is accountability that people Most are definitely. held accountable which is oh, yes. great um and then i'm almost done um what is the hardest thing about your job i know you've already talked about some of the challenges but it could be like um it would be nice if you could give me like a um as a mother's perspective like what would be the hardest uh i that was the route I was going to take regardless. Okay. That's the hardest thing yeah. in my life is the balance of, uh, you know, family and career. Um, as you can tell, I am, yes. I am pregnant. I do have kids. Um, this is my third child and uh, my second one as being a police officer. And um, it's a healthy balance in trying to climb the ladder here. Mm -hmm. You know, promoting and, and proving myself as a female police officer mm -hmm. and being the best mom and wife that I can. So, and, and being active in my family and my children's lives. So, raising good humans and, and being a good police officer, not always easy. It's stressful, it's demanding, but um, finding a healthy balance in, in both, you know, providing for my family and also being right. there to take care of them. That's amazing. Um, is it worth it? Uh, hell yeah, it's worth right. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to it's, hear. It's, it's worth it. Uh, it's not always easy. It's stressful. Uh, you know, sometimes I miss out, um, you know, because of our schedule that we work, we, we may miss out on big events, birthdays, uh, awards at school, sporting events that our kids are involved in. Um, but... Uh, you know, when it's hard when you're missing those things, mm -hmm. but like I told you before, um, it's all about being working mom is hard, but it's all about showing your kids, um, not always telling your kids what the right thing to do is, it's about showing them. Uh, so I'd like to think that my kids will benefit from my hard work, you know, by feeling that I was able to take care of them you know, financially and and whatnot. Uh, 
you know, as they get older. Seeing mom's work, work, work ethic and um, knowing that she could manage both. Okay. Inspire them. Right. And I'm sure you will. I mean, you inspire me. So that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. And then I have some, I didn't want it to be all serious. And so we are, we are also covering a chapter where um, police corruption. And I, something um, I thought was funny that we learned is that corruption isn't always where you take a bribe or you, um, you use your power. But um, there's a section in our book where it talks where cops take freebies. So one of my questions was, have you ever used your status to get a freebie or perks? Or I like at Seven Eleven, I've seen this happen a lot where I go to Seven yeah. Eleven, and I've never, I don't think I've heard a cop say, "Hey, you know." It's usually they, he hands over his money, and the 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 guy's like, "No, no, you know, this is exactly. on us." Exactly. Yeah. So it happens. Um, you know, there, there's a first responder discount typically a lot of places that you go. Um, but it is, I will say, for the record, <laughs> it is uh, against our policy to take okay. gratuities. Okay. Um, but uh, with that said, you know, when we go, when we serve the communities, in my opinion, that they're just trying to pay their respects and yes. say thank you for what we do. So I don't think it's that big of a deal to, you know, accept that right. free 7-Eleven yeah. coffee that they give you. Yeah. Now, if it's something huge, then yes, of right. course, that's... That's not uncalled for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frowned upon, and I don't do that. Um, but, you know, uh, typically when you go places, they offer 10%, which is tax, which is just, you know, right. something nice that the business owner is offering. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, that's why I found it a little surprising. I, I laughed a little. There are, there are nice people out there that yeah. will buy you lunch, and you just have, yeah. in my opinion... Uh, you pay it forward. Okay. So, um, you know, there's plenty of things that I've done for members of the community in order mm-hmm. to show my gratitude. Uh, and then, you know, some, sometimes it comes full circle. That's yeah. all I have to say. So, uh, just last week, someone, uh, you know, people are always bringing donuts and, like, food and stuff to people here at, or to, to our department here at the station to say thank you for things. And, um, it's actually really touching and nice when people do. You realize, you know, all the, with all the negativity that you see, um, there still are good people out there. Yes. So it's just a constant reminder to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, just like I said, just last week a lady came in. I took a missing persons report for her daughter, or on her daughter. Um, and we were just doing our job and helping her to the best that we, the best that we could. And she came in, like, a couple weeks later. I didn't even recognize her. She said, hey, you know, remember my daughter? And I, and I said, yes. Um, and she brought in, I want to say it was donuts, but she wrote a handwritten message. And to me, that's, that's the best thing. Right. You know, when somebody takes the time to acknowledge what you do and thanks you for it, that uh, makes my job worthwhile. That's awesome. So the handwritten little note that says, I appreciate that. Okay. Um, my last question is, what has been the, your weirdest experience or something that you just, at the end of the day, you're like, wow, that was wild? Oh, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> um, like I said, we encounter so many different things each day. Uh, and 
once you see something in your mind that's that you don't typically see mm -hmm. it's imprinted there forever so there are numerous things that I can tell you um, but uh, some of the weird calls that we've been on, on we've, we've responded to help people with uh, operating their microwaves and oh no you know elderly people oh, okay um, we respond to to people who are having uh, psychotic episodes or a mental health crisis um, people seeing things mm -hmm. uh, you know hoarders yeah. uh, you know really unkept homes so some astonishing things like that we respond to all different types of uh, assaults suicides uh, deaths of just, just people in uh, in positions like physical positions that you don't think is really possible yeah and uh, you know people are naked in the street <laughs> um, homicides suicides just some some crazy things that you can't unsee and specifically I won't talk about any which one would because I don't want to. Yeah, that's. I, I don't want to, you know, impede any cases that yeah, are happening. Of course. Things like that, but. Yeah, I mean, okay. it, it, I'll leave it at that. Just some, <laughs> some things are that you see that are really gruesome that you have to take it somewhat lightly and joke right. about so you can cope with it. Yeah. Yeah, I had a forensic um, professor my first semester, and one thing she said, she was like, please forgive my crude humor. She was, I, I work a lot, you know, she's forensic, she has her own lab. She says, that's the only way I keep myself sane. Exactly, exactly. So sometimes you'll see at a, at a crime scene, you know, police officers trying to keep things on the light side, you know. Yeah. We'll talk and we may joke and it may look from an outsider's perspective that we're not taking our job seriously or we're not right. being sensitive. That's not the case. We're just trying to cope. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, <coughs> Officer Hill, for all your information. It's no It's My been pleasure. really nice. I've never actually taken the time to come to the Downey PD. Awesome. So it's nice to learn stuff about my own city that, yeah, you know, most I definitely. wouldn't. We welcome it. We like to talk to people who are interested in, in what we do and... Uh, it was nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. Um, let me make sure it...